Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with a fabulous person who was introduced to me by guest number 48, which is Vinny Potestivo. This is Barbara Barna Abel. Hey there, Barbara. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Ben? I am unbelievable. Do you want to give the listeners a little bit of an insight into who you are? And the way I like to do it is to do, I call it inflating yourself before we deflate, basically pump yourself up, do a a shameless, do the craziest brag you can do. So then we can get into the more failure stuff and you don't feel like you're, uh, you're losing that steam. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. This does not play to my strengths. And what I do for a living is help people play to their strengths. But I am traditionally more of a behind the scenes person. So outward facing, I'm a media coach, talent strategist, talent and executive development expert, casting director, content creator, creative advisor. What projects? You're not even saying what projects. You just said (laughs) media. Oh, thank you for that prompt, Ben. So going back in the day, I started my career in the music business um, and have many fun stories there. But in TV land, I spent over a decade at uh, VH1. So I created the original RuPaul show worked on things like all the, all the awards. So I just sort of blanked out on like pop-up video, which is, it was all the heyday. And then um, transition created my own company. Um, when my kids were small and I did the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, What Not to Wear, Man versus Food, Page Six TV, shoot, bunch of stuff. I've got shows running now, right? I have a show on Peacock. Dang, what's it called? There's no pressure. I know you're now struggling to not forget people. Um, I know. I feel like in an award show going, oh my God, I have to remember. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, so that part. So honestly, Ben, when you ask, here's one of my strengths is I have an eye for talent and I'm really good at nurturing that talent. And it's what I love to do is to help people tap into what they do really well. I often say that I help people of impact make an impact. That's awesome. Is that why you jive so much with Vinny? Cause you guys basically do the same thing and you're very good bullshit detectors and you can kind of see through to the true person. That's really kind of you. And we're, our skills are super complimentary because they're not identical. He's so good at things that I'm not good at. And um, I compliment his thing was I'm very, a lot of my strength is around mindset and um, connecting dots for people. It, there's a lot of intuition, but I think it's just from coming in and being a listener and actually really curious about people. So one of the things I am very good at is starting to lean in and understand um, or notice if things are, you know, if you have limiting beliefs or blocks or things that are kind of, you know, getting in the way of your success and helping you work through those. So I have three pillars to what I do, which are mindset, which I also put under the strategy pillar, mm-hmm. um, technique and practice. Because in my space, I have found that many people, a lot of people practice without any sense of strategy. So, right, you're just doing the same thing over and over again and not getting anywhere. And mm-hmm. you think I'm doing, but you're not, you're just, you know, I keep putting stuff up. It's not, and then there are other people come to me and want to learn technique, but they don't zero interest in putting in the time to practice. And I use sports metaphors all the time. And I've learned a lot from working with elite athletes as they transition from their careers into broadcast and how we translate those skills. So, uh, and all of that 
starts with, you know, the mindset component and connecting your being to your doing and understanding your purpose and your why and how you show up in the world and having a strategy around that. And then using techniques, being able to shift when you need to constantly learning, but we have to practice. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on based on what you just said, but first, can you explain for the listeners what it means to be media trained? I hear that getting thrown around a lot and I don't, Yes. I don't even necessarily know. I'm just going to pretend like I don't know, even though I really truly don't know what it entails. Mm. So I'm going to both simultaneously pretend like I know more, but I really don't. So feel free to educate my listeners and myself on what that would mean. Ben, can I tell you how much I appreciate your asking? Because since I do it and I live it, I, f- I forget that most people actually don't know what it means. And the fact that it's used and thrown around in a way that I think is maybe dated and doesn't really encompass. So it's like an in thing when I hear it, it's like, oh, he's media trained or she's media trained and they're not. And that's all I really get. I know it means basically they've given soft skills training on how to be presenting themselves in media is my understanding. Well, it's hard. It's it's actually hard and soft skills. So great point. So in the sense, it's many people in the business sphere will go get media trained because it's, it's actually communications training and to learn to communicate ideas and your messaging and whatever you have to say through the media. And that, you know, in the old days was primarily print, but sometimes TV. Now, the reason I have a business and what I believe in so deeply is we all need to be media trained or media coach because we're all communicating through a lens. You and I are communicating through a lens right now, but overwhelmingly, even before the pandemic, the majority of job interviews had some video portal component. Uh, if you went to work, chances are the bigger your company, the more likely you were to have um, video streamed meetings. You might be mm-hmm. in person and have on camera, all of it. We're using social media all the time. We're all communicating. It, we need so media training skills to me are really important, even in the job search. So what that gets into is two things. It's both hard and soft skills. So on the one hand, it's, it's literally like, how do we talk and communicate? And one of the reasons I think sometimes people shy away from media training is when they hear we'd like to media train you, it's because they feel like they've failed or they're not good at something. Mm. And to me, all coaching is about personal growth and, and improvement. And so I've never met an athlete who said, you know, I don't feel like I should get coached. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the goat. I'm just going to sleep in. And great actors, musicians, vocalists, right? But that's not how you get there, right? You, you have to be the kind of person who shows up and does too much in order to even get to that point. So by the time you're talking to them, they've probably already done so much practicing. It's second nature to them. Yes, no, but my point is you, you have to adapt to the situation. So even if you come in highly skilled, so that's what I'm saying, even the, the most talented, successful people often train the hardest because they understand their nuances. You know, you think about golfers, which I love talking about because it's such a mental game, but like you have to adjust to every golf course. Yep. I can't even just imagine everyone watching me while I shittily golf, which is how I usually am. I'm just terrible at it. And when I'm watching myself, I can't concentrate having all those people watch as well. I don't even, I would train with a bunch of people watching. I would like buy an audience and have them watch me just so I could train better. Cause I would, that'd be the biggest part for me. Oh my God. I love BYO peanut gallery that you just came up with, but going back to really answer your question. <laughs> you just came up with it. <laughs> go, go ahead. So then. So the, so that your listeners understand the answer to the question for me, media training begins with, you know, who are you? What do you have to say? So we start with messaging and then it's like, how do we deliver the message? And that's, so it's understanding all the variety of platforms. Are you in person? Mm-hmm. Are you, th- you know, through a lens, who are you talking to? Because we have to adapt that those messages. So in some ways 
it's, it's learning to communicate, but it's also then behind the scenes, and I've spent so many decades in television, to be able to understand to be, how, the, how the industry actually works, how someone's going to take what you say and, and what's going to happen to remove the mystery out of it. So the, you know, the more you know, the more empowered that you feel. So that's, and that's why to me, I am a media coach as opposed to a media trainer. I'm actually a certified professional coach because I use the coaching modalities because it's a vulnerable process to go put yourself out there. So one, it's to support the mindset practice. Mm-hmm. Two is to help people. It doesn't matter how successful and experienced you are. Everybody at some point bumps up against their vulnerabilities. So to help work through that. So my response to you is going to be two parts. One's a pitch. The next is a question. So the pitch is, I recently bought socialmediatrained.com. I've done nothing with it. So if that gets your gears going, I know that I'm messing up on a lot of different social media platforms. Like when I was on Instagram, I was tagging too many people are doing the wrong things. Then I go to LinkedIn and it's a whole different ball game. So you got to like figure out how people see you in different ones. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll start this kind of a thing where people can I don't even know what it's going to be. I buy domains. I have like a hundred domains that are going nowhere, but these are, I come up with an idea, <laughs> I put a pin in it, buy the domain because it's the cheapest thing. And then I move on. So wait, I so feel you on that one. Um, it's such a funny kind of retail therapy. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I had an idea. I think I'm going to go buy the domain. And I realized I had too many. So I had to, so I, I kind of Mari condoed my domains last year. I've gotten rid of some recently. It's been tough, but they're like eight bucks or nine bucks usually for a year. So I'm like, I can just like, what the heck? Yeah. Put this idea down for a year, you know, for nine bucks. But it led me to what you were saying about the media training and how people are going to receive your message. Cause you put in the meeting invite that you don't believe in failure. And I've heard that a lot. So can you, first of all, explain? Yes, go ahead. Can you explain why you don't believe in failure and what you mean by that? Considering you're going on a failure podcast, but I get this all the time. And so I want to hear the reasoning so that then I can tell you my side and also just see where the disconnect is between a lot of people who just have such a negative association with the word. Yes. So, and I'm not trying to be coy and I actually really love what you're doing with the podcast. Uh, I came to this kind of organically was many, many years ago, I started to, I was training, coaching professionals who were looking to apply for you know, MBAs and postgraduate programs. And one of obviously the most common popular questions was give us an example of failure, right? And I remember people just stopping dead in their tracks. It was often like dead silence. It's like, what are your top five weaknesses and strengths? And the weaknesses are always some sort of a strength that they then twist it around kind of thing. All that stuff. But also just a lot of them were like, I've never had a failure. I'm so scared. It was so shame driven around failure, Mm -hmm. right? That, and so, and I realized early on in doing that, not even taking, um, you know, a super coachy role in it. I just started laughing, realizing, oh my God, I can break mine down into categories. So we have like job failures, relationship failures, outfit failures. I had a bunch and I realized like I was so comfortable with it sitting on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, how do I reframe this? But then the real reason why I say is, do you know I mean? Failure is a mindset. And so it, it's, to, that's why I'm like, it's not a, an actual failure in any negative sense to me. Mm-hmm. If you grow from it, if you keep me moving forward, if it doesn't stop you in some ways. And that doesn't mean that like you may, you may go, I learned so much from like the disastrous launch of this thing and we didn't sell anything or it didn't work or we released it and it totally tanked and all these other things that people would be like, that was a failure. I'd be like, I don't know. It's one, did you learn from it? Did Mm -hmm. you, you you may never have done that thing again, but you might be, you know, 
Thomas Edison your way through, you know, 10,000 ways not to create a light bulb, but the 10,001st one is like, bingo, yay. So, so that's why I often say I really don't believe in failure, which it's my own energetic approach to this going, you know, it's because mm-hmm. trust me, I've had some like serious haircut failures. <laughs> I've had this is before they did all so fails online, like on YouTube and stuff. They marketed it right. as a fail oh, yeah. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And then even then I'd be like, well, because um, yeah, because I you maybe um, have been around a little longer than you've been. But anyway, <laughs> um, but you get where I'm going with this. It was just my own approach to realizing I actually do, I'm okay. Like it was released a lot. So like it's you know what I own these things or however we want to approach it because mm-hmm. um, had some you know disastrous relationships. I've been, I mean I've gotten fired from jobs and now I realize that wasn't a failure. That was probably a good thing. It projected me forward. Well, so I've been fired from every job I've had since graduating college and I do have an MBA and that's six for six. And one of those was while the podcast was going on. So I was five for six when I started the podcast and got fired during it. So wait, was someone fire you via text? Like, how did you, how did you know? uh, No, he called, I mean, it wasn't during a podcast episode, but I was podcasting on the side while also doing my job. And he, he's like, oh, do you have 15 minutes to chat? And then I was like, oh no. And so then, Ben, may I ask, are you, have, have you been fired for cause? Cause I actually get into the, because to me, there's a nuance there. Oh, I've been fired for a bunch of different reasons. Like I'll just blanket say fired, but you know, there have been moments where it's like layoffs, right? Where it wasn't for. Nope. So it's been a no choice, one person thing every time. Gotcha. But whether it was my fault or their fault or a combination of the two, that changes every time, if that makes sense. No, it does. And so this gets, we can go deep into like, you know, the notion of fault. Well, because is it, you know, what have you learned from all these experiences, Ben? That's really the question. So I think to put a pin in the thing we were just talking about, which is the failure definition, is that most people think of it as like a final destination type of thing and not as a stepping stone. So I think it's important for people to realize that I don't mean I want to be a failure. Correct. By the way, Everybody out there, look, I'm saying I'm the world's number one failure. I'm the failure guy. I'm never putting that on my guest. I'm never putting it on whoever wants to talk to me. But a lot of times people are like, I don't like the word failure. I want to call it a mistake or I want to call it a learning lesson. I'm like, I don't care. Fine. But if you don't act like this word exists, I'm going to tell you it exists for sure. And I've branded myself that way. So you, you got to convince me that it's a bad word and then I can figure out how to take the sting out of it, Mm. you know, because there's, there's a lot of sting there. That's you're you and I are actually on the same page. That's what happens. Is, um, it's the idea of like recl- reclaiming the word. They, they argue with me and we're on the same page, but go ahead. No, no, no. You, because it gets about the sting. That's what I'm saying. That's why I say I don't believe I don't believe in the sting of failure or the stigma of failure Yeah. or the shame of failure. Oh, mm-hmm. I can certainly like throw the word around. It's like I baked this yeah. thing for your birthday. Oh, my God. What a failure. Like yeah. I can add. Ab- Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. But that's what I'm just saying. So what I'm saying is you say, I don't believe in it, but most people say the same thing. And then they realize they don't mean that when you start talking about it for more than a couple of minutes, but they have such an innate reaction to the word yeah. that they don't even want to label themselves to your point about the people who are going for their MBA. They don't want to label anything they've done as a failure because it's, it's a tarnish on your career. Right. Cause what I was trying to get is like, right. And, and I always want to help people get through um, the sh- shame so that you're never coming from a place of fear. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm afraid there's someone who's going to find out X, Y, Z about me or whatever your fear bubble is versus always coming from a place of strength, a sense of personal empowerment. Um, and so one of those is, is like changing 
the mindset around that. So, so part of that too is just be able to laugh and go, oh, right. that's what I'm like, you know, huh. which category of failure would you like to talk about today, Ben? Yeah, well, I don't <laughs> even know. But but my thing was that it took five firings for me to even realize I was fired from a mall because you can just lie in your next interview. If they don't tell, you know, they'll call and say, hey, did this guy work there? And they'll say he worked from X to X and he was paid this much money, but they won't say he was fired, by the way, and we don't like this guy or whatever the problem was. They don't say that stuff. So I can always say I'm working on my own personal business. I could reframe everything and it took five times to go, wow, I haven't fired from all these jobs. I didn't even realize it myself because I was too busy spinning it every time. And I was like, well, how, what's going on here? How can I actually learn and grow from this? All these self-help books are saying you got to get comfortable with failure. And clearly I'm not, or at least not even addressing it myself. So I'll put it on my license plate and I'll drive around with it for a year and a half before I totaled the car. That's a different story, but I had to, basically have exposure therapy to, for people to think I'm a failure the whole time by driving around in a, in a beat up Prius with that license plate in order to get past caring what people think. Cause after a year of driving around with that, mm. you stop caring what people are thinking as they drive by you. Cause you just, mm-hmm. you just can't anymore, you know? So it was kind of like, mm-hmm. how do I own this, but also not burn every bridge possible with future job prospects. And now, cause I was in a job, but I was trying to tell them that I got fired from every job. Basically, I don't want to ever go back to corporate America. So I don't care if I burn my bridges in terms of at least letting my true self show because it's probably the only way I was actually to get able to get out of corporate America. If I had, if none of those jobs fired me. There you go. I would have been there still. There. Yes. There you go. See, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. It's like it's, you know, often when we're fired and it it, it can really hurt and your esteem takes a serious ding and all those things. And, you know, you're, you're on the, the floor and crying yeah. all that, but it, it, it's often with distance. Um, and then once it happens enough times and that imposter syndrome, you mentioned, that's like a, a yes, but what I was going to validation of all that imposter syndrome you've been feeling. Absolutely. So I was gonna say, it's when, then what happens enough, you're like, Oh, I get it. But the point is it <laughs> often gets us. It's like, what's from a coaching thing. We often ask like, what's the lesson here or what's the greater mm-hmm. good? Because what often happens is it force, it was forcing you to move out of a situation you shouldn't have been in in the first place. And so it took these experiences for you for a variety of reasons, whether it's just your own growth and had to learn or to have the courage to pursue what you truly love instead of another topic I love to talk about is getting stuck in the shoulds. And if you have an MBA, you probably had a lot of people saying, you should do this. You should do that. You should do this. This is what you should be. Oh, Ben, you should do. Oh my God, Ben, you should do this. And it's that can be a tsunami of shoulds. And it so can take a lot of courage to say, nope, you know what? This is my passion in life and this is my purpose and this is my calling and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I think my problem is that I would never quit. I would never think about quitting. Yes. I feel you. But I would literally mentally quit. So yes. I would, I would get fired because I quit You checked out in advance, but why would I not want to get paid still until 100%. they eventually kick me out the door? Right? Yes. So I was like, well, what's the point of quitting? Also, I always naively believed that there was something that I could save there or, you know, get around the corporate politics by getting better at Excel is what I tried to do, but that didn't help ever. It just made it so I was better at the program, but still had to deal with the same yeah. corporate political issues and stuff. But now I want to ask you, I understand you don't want to ever go back to corporate America, but maybe you'd make an amazing consultant or, you know, advisor. That's what I got to do. But now I even have trouble talking to these people because I have a little bit of a... Well, that's where the media coaching comes in. And, and you know what? Take some time to actually think about where, where do I thrive? Mm-hmm. understand like, what are your strengths? Who should I, who needs what I do? Because it, it may be that um, you need to be looking in like a different pond. 
So I've been doing B2C this whole time. And it's so hard to convince people to buy an Excel course for themselves. And I know B2B is where it's at because I know they're going to want to have all their employees trained on it. I've had multiple companies come to me. That's fantastic. I haven't been reaching out to other companies. So I've got to start doing that, but I have like a resistance to. I can, so we can talk about that off the podcast about working through resistance. Speaking. Or whenever we're on it. I don't care. Okay. Cause resistance is why well, right. um, we're both you. hosts. So we won't both want to interview each other at the same time. But I mean, resistance is a really big thing that all of us encounter mm-hmm. around any number of things. So one is the now just stop and you have the awareness around your own resistance. And like, that's the first big step in dealing with it. So Good, good on you for that one. But I was just as a reframe, because this may even come up in the owning of your business or working with certain clients is to actually imagine the shift in energy and what it looks like when you start to become uh, actually even physically aware as well as emotionally aware of the, the things that make you begin to check out when you're like, this is no longer working mm-hmm. to imagine what it would look like to be proactive instead of reactive and say, and imagine, okay, let me go find the next thing so that I could go back to X, Y, and Z and say, you know what? I think we've accomplished a lot about of what we set out to do or however you frame it. And thank you so much, but I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. So that, because that changes the departure and the energy and how you feel and playing to your strengths. So just as a plant well, that seed. Even, even when I'm talking to people about it, I'm like, Excel so boring, people fall asleep halfway through me saying the word Excel. And saying that to a person who's never going to buy my stuff is not that harmful. But saying it to myself over and over. Yeah, we got to change it. Makes it more difficult when I got to, when I want to tell them it's not boring. Because <laughs> I know it isn't, you know? I, well, first of all, you love it. And by the way, there's so many other Excel nerds out there. And they're, I'm just, they're... it's tied up in that same, th- I used to do it for a job for 15 years. So it's like. And I got fired from all those jobs. So there's a lot of negative associations with money, Excel, corporate structure. Yeah, well, I get, no, I totally get it. But that's, I totally get it. But I actually now want to separate what you just said. Mm -hmm. That um, for people who get fluttery and super excited about Excel, you're their guy. So go talk to your people. And and so there's a really amazing uh, thought leader named Chad Elmstetter. Mm-hmm. And he is the OG of, of positive thinking. To, and he has books as what to say when you talk to yourself. And he had another oh, one. Come okay. up. But he started doing this in the 60s where people thought he was nuts. And now neuroscience is caught up and brain scans have sh- caught up. And he has been talking about this for years. So now brain scans show that when we, uh, it's neuroplasticity. When we speak positively to ourselves, the way that we may speak to others, but we're so mean to ourselves. If we, if we catch ourselves and become consistent about focusing on positive, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that like it's pretending negative stuff doesn't exist. It's like learning to the reframe, catching how we talk to ourselves. We actually change our neural pathways and you can create more positive pathways than negative pathways. So starting right now at this minute, Ben, mm-hmm. it's no longer Excel is boring. If that is to me, that's all about messaging. And that is how you deliver. And I used to give this example all the time. I still do. In my job, working on shows and casting people, the most interesting people on paper would come into my office back in the day when people used to come into the office all the time for meetings and castings and, you know, and be so boring talking about their exciting life. Can I have you just interject for a second? I want you to talk to somebody specific. Talk to Vinny right now, because he said to me the other day that he's boring. And I'm like, Vinny, I wish I could read. Vinny Potestivo said he was boring? Yes. I wanted to reach through the camera and slap him in the face because 
It is the biggest lie I've heard in a long time. So can you tell him that he's not boring at least, or tell him something that makes him see what you were just saying about other people doing the same kind of thing? Wow. To me, he is just compassion and patience in human form and connectivity. And he lights up and he makes such an amazing safe space for all of us to really be ourselves because a lot of the work he does is not, does not play my strength. So it makes me feel very comfortable in a vulnerable space, not boring. And so thank you for that moment for Vinny. He takes a lot of the brunt of, of the emotional toll too, you know? So he's, he gets drained yeah. helping everyone else be their best selves, you know? Wow. Right. So that, well, thank you for that note. We'll have a little self-care talk. But I want, if you ever listen to this, which he probably will, because he likes, you know, you a lot and <laughs> seems like me, I wanted to hear him at least get something from you directly to him and to the world. Oh, yeah. See, that's just about saying, hey, he's not boring. He's the opposite of boring. Everyone's like amazed around. He's him. the opposite of boring. See, now, th thank you, because this is actually a nice setup and segue to the other half of what I was going to say, because back at the, you know, when I really first started to notice this was in the heyday of the mom blogger. OK, so I had boring people talking about their exciting lives and being really boring about their exciting lives. Like I just got off the road with someone just dropping celebrity names and backstage all, and could not be more boring. Then I'd have the mom bloggers come in. What did they talk about? Carpool. Yeah, I was a pickup and vomit and just so warm, funny, human, engaging. I don't know their kids. And yep. yet I was like, tell me more. So that is so much about, this is where I get into the media coaching. It's a transference of energy. Mm -hmm. Everything we do is a transference of energy and how we show up for others makes such a difference. So um, anyone has the power just by being present. You don't have to be a giant, big personality. You don't have to be Oprah or Tony Robbins by any stretch, just by being present for people and open-hearted. Now we have energy. And, um, and now you can become sort of interesting and curious. You don't have to like be witty and pithy. Mm -hmm. It's just really about being present. And so in somebody like Vinny's place, it's like he is actually witty and pithy and is a great listener and can totally zero in on something and has such a warm laugh. There's not, absolutely nothing boring. I think he's like you. But that's why I really believe. Sorry was to interject, mm -hmm. but he's like you where he's heard it so many times from other people. He doesn't want to come across like those people who were name dropping and boring, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you were just saying he's probably hyper aware of how that comes across. Yeah, I can see that. But he never will because I, I you know, it's so because then it would be like, Ben, oh, my God, I just, you know, <laughs> flew in and um, I'm so excited. I'm going to be at Coachella in two weeks and I've got all access passes and then I'm, you know, flying down to Cabo and you just be like, wait. How could you be the most boring person on the planet? Why aren't you excited? With such an interesting life. <laughs> yeah. Because as I think as I stop being excited or, or, or you know, and honestly, just as a sidebar, if it's interesting to your listeners, is sometimes to succeed in a celebrity space, you can't be competing with the subjects that you write about or you cover. So you become um, a little bit more of a blank slate. Mm -hmm. Yep. I could see that because you don't want to be stepping on toes and whatever arena you're in. Right. And it's the same way that you can imagine this. It's like, again, I worked a lot in the design space and all sorts of lifestyle space. So a lot of times, you know, people who make a really exciting TV show that you want to watch because they're big characters, right? Well, if I'm the CEO of something or I'm a billionaire, I don't, that's not necessarily the person I want. It can, it can depend because I, I want that. I want somebody to be listening to me. Mm -hmm. Like my choices. And it's like, 
and I'm the boss and it's my house. So sometimes the people who are the most successful dealing at that level are really gentle. No surprise, right? Like gentle mm-hmm. spirits. That's right, Ben. Yeah. Here's my vision for this thing. Not necessarily great on television, mm-hmm. um, but really great functionally doing the work. It's funny you say that because connecting with their clients. For the longest time, I just said my Excel training was, and it still is, only screen recordings without me on it. And I was like, why would anyone care about me? They're trying to learn Excel. Why would they want me to waste their time with a bunch of stuff about who I am? Tell me why I'm wrong. I mean, I've, I know I'm wrong. No, no, you're not wrong. I, again, I, you know, I'm never going to frame it that way. <laughs> I don't mind. But what I was going to say is it gets interesting yeah. for me into one, uh, the world has shifted, right? And how we communicate has shifted. So it's on all of us to adapt, me included, adapting to the shifts. But two, and it's one of my own challenges I've always had with Excel is it's not a visual platform. Excel, right? So it's, so it's really hard for me because I am a visual learner. So they're fi- they're different styles of learning. So when you provide video, I think you know, just take a moment. I mean, mm. I really encourage you to study somebody like Marie Forleo to me, who's like the Naplu Ultra of the uh, digital world, and what she's done with B School because she does something so amazing. It's beautifully produced, incredible production values. But every one of those lessons is, first of all never longer than 20 minutes. And that's really long. They're usually in the eight to 12 minutes, but there's always video, audio and text because she understands that the people who are paying a lot of money for her course are, she's, she's making it there. She understands she has all different types of learners. Yeah, for sure. Just to, just a side note here. This is Investopedia best online Excel classes of 2022 Mm -hmm. best for visual learners. There I am. Congratulations. So meaning I agree with you. I didn't think that meant I had to be visually there. Well, you know what I mean? Myself. It's an interesting question. And again, goes back to, you know, like I'm not digitally native. I'm not Excel native. I never like the, I've always worked on the creative side of business. Right. And, and create. So it's like, I never even had to know Excel for the majority of my career. Right. So wait, so my point is whoever's reviewing that also maybe more, their brain may work more like yours. I'm the coming out. It's like, okay, I'm somebody who just like doesn't get it and needs to learn Excel. So be able to see you. And it depends on how you work with it. I don't need to know all the facts about your life, but there's something about the warmth and the humanity and the shared energy and be able to see your eyes and all these things guiding me through these lessons. Mm -hmm. Helpful. Well, also, if anyone does think it's boring, I'll stop framing it as I think that or everybody thinks that. But for the people who open it up and realize that, oh, this is blank. This looks gross. And, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. It's just a big glob of cells. You know, because when you open up an Excel spreadsheet, it's not like, here's amazing stuff. It's like, here's a blank nothing. And people think either it can do absolutely everything or it's just a calculator. And they don't know the intricacies of it. So trying to figure out how to show that stuff and make it less boring. I, my slogan was like, doing the impossible, making Excel fun because... I think it is impossible, but at the same time, I want to do my best to make that happen. I think I got to show more of myself or contextualize it in stories more. So what I, like one of my main. Okay. I got, I, can I interrupt you for one sec? Please do. I will always interrupt Couple, No, no. It's because I just really want to validate what you're doing and help, you know, every day I want you like mantra wise to just to be, stop saying Excel is boring or even Excel is not boring. Just always be Excel is exciting. Excel is potential. Excel is untapped. Excel, you know, is, is helpful, whatever, all these positive things. Excellent. Ex, there you go. Because why? So here's the thing. My dad retired, but mm-hmm. he was a CPA. 
And he didn't do taxes. He did bank auditing. And the reason I bring this up is he loved it so much. I spent like, that is like, it's like unsexy grinding stuff. Mm-hmm. Yet he kind of made it ex- like he got juiced about it. And I, my whole point is anybody who's really juiced about their thing can get other people juiced about their thing. It really has to do the energy and the approach. And like you light up and it's like, Oh my God, look at this, look at this potential. Here's the problem that we solved. Isn't this exciting? This is how we did it. Then you can apply that to anything. And so by the way, validating you, Ben Courier, Thank you. my son is a finance major in college and I, yes, have been sending him everything you send me. <laughs> Cause I was like, I don't really need this, but you do. And he's much appreciative. I don't even know what you're getting from me is my point. Cause I'm so checked out. So like first I was like, okay, no one's teaching Excel. I learned almost nothing in college. So I was like, I'll start putting training up. Then I got to get past lights, cameras, putting myself out there. That was a whole different thing on top of the, cause that's not my sweet spot. That's part of why I started doing the podcast. Honestly, was to get more comfortable on camera, Smart. try to interrupt people less, which I'm still terrible with. But if I say less ums and uhs, in my Excel training, at least it's not live, so I can pause and edit out the silences rather than saying I'm an ah. It's still tough when you're doing a live interview, but I can listen better if I'm the host and I'm literally interviewing somebody. I'm trying to make it so I don't mumble as much. I'm trying to use this podcastination thing that I'm doing to hopefully make it so that I can be better in my Excel training because it's tough to take what you're already good at, which is the Excel thing forget everything you knew to train people and then also show up on video if you're not comfortable with that and things like that. So I just had to add to my skill set over time. So I started with just the screen recording stuff. Now I'm going to get more into the actual, I hate when I'm looking at TikTok or whatever, and I see someone dancing around doing Excel formula stuff. And I'm like, how are they even going to understand what you're doing? Like I'm trying to figure out what they're teaching them and I can't even figure it out, you know? So it's like, I want to be a blend and when I first started with the YouTube stuff, it was like all those people who were just wasting half the time talking about some mundane thing of their lives and then getting to the tip. And that's what I hated so much. So I was like, I'm going to make mine really concise and full of info, but I probably went too much in the opposite direction and didn't put anything about myself into it. And so I'm trying to find that healthy middle ground, but I appreciate all the supporting, validating words and stuff like that. And I need to start, I own excelisboring.com. So I should just undo that. Okay, that, that can be funny though. Okay. I mean, if you if you can maximize that. I mean, some people do think that. So at least having an entry point for those people. Yeah, but also if that's um, I know you, you by the way, that's so funny. You could have Excel is boring, Excel is sexy or whatever, and and they both go like lead to the same place. Yeah. You know, but with that said, one of the things, Ben, is you always anything moving forward, you always ask yourself, how does this serve the goal? Mm-hmm. Right. And so because how we communicate, again, keeps shifting. So what would have been relevant in an early YouTube style from you know, 2006, 2008 seems wildly dated now. So my point is, is you're, so as you're tapping into formulas that work for you, mm-hmm. you know, that's like what's working today is going to be different than what's working, you know, a year or two from now, no matter what. But also, I really just want to compliment and validate your whole smart strategy. I started the podcast to get better at these things. Yes, that is so smart. Very, very few people do this now. And all of us should be doing it because another thing that you tapped into, which happened to us 
what happened to me years ago was, hey, here's my skill set. Like, I'm really good at looking, you know, nurturing talent and sharing ideas and listening. And then social media happens and all these mm. and digital technology. And suddenly my actual skill set takes a back seat to the demands from the world that now I'm really great at marketing, which by the way, I've, I've really come to embrace that. Yes, everyone does have to be good at marketing, but you understand mm. what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. and suddenly my whole business exists because all of us, had to go from being behind the scenes to front and center. That like what Reed Hoffman tapped into 20 years ago with LinkedIn, that the brand of you, we are all living the brand of you. Yeah. And and if you can't embrace that, the tra the train is our, left the station decades ago. It's just for us trying to catch up and hope that, you know, you know, like in a movie where you see people running next to the train and they're hopping on the old fashioned <laughs> train. That's how the we're doing. It's like, okay, good. I'm hot. <gasps> Thank God I hopped on. I'm catching my breath, but I'm on the train now. And yay. And I, I'm like, like, I'm bracing and I'm moving with the train, but it's on all of us. And so there's a tremendous amount of legitimate anxiety that goes with that. So part of it's just to acknowledge that and go, okay. And then, and then the tools we use, you know, mindfulness and, and resets and anything we do just to manage our own anxiety so that yeah. we can get anything done. So I just, uh, it's funny how things work. A lot of what you're saying to me is also encouraging me to something I've been trying to get into for a long time, which is meditation mm -hmm. and how important it is. So I recently bought and sent to Vinny the book 10% Happier. I don't know oh. if you ever read it. Read oh, it. You yes. Yes. You're yes, mentioned yes. in it. They mentioned Queer Eye, at least. Not you, but they mentioned the show <laughs> Queer Eye. I was like, oh. And I said to video, I was like, oh, your girl Barbara's in this <laughs> book. Oh, sweet. Just to convince him to also read it because I sent it to him. And I, I don't know if he's going to read it or listen. That's so kind of you. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. So that book, I'm rereading it again, uh, listening to the audio because I, I can't read. I got ADHD, so I also can't really read. I need to listen to things. That's why Excel was great. Cause I like math because mm -hmm. it's not reading, you know, there you go. So I bought that for Vinny. Hopefully he's reading it. If not though, there's a, there's a part that I'm just in now, but I think you two would both have such a different viewpoint of it. Cause Dan Harris talks about all of the struggles with being a news person and being promoting himself on TV. And like, what is the drive to always want to be front and center for everybody else. And I think the both of you who are pumping someone else up into the spotlight now are coming into your own kind of things where you're actually putting your own name out there as the yeah. star, like you mm -hmm. on your podcast, Vinny and his, and his show and all that other stuff. You're kind of getting rid of those beliefs you had about how other people who you've been lifting up, how they should or shouldn't act because now you're having to actually face it on the other side for yourselves. And this is all just my understanding from a third party perspective, but at least I'm hoping that him, me, whoever, anybody gets good at meditation. That's, that does a lot of that reframing for you. If you can go back to your breath, if you can get good at that. Yes. That's it's all not getting upset. No matter what it is, if it's, if it's any kind of mm -hmm. situation where you need to reframe or reset, I think meditation is the ultimate brain reset for almost any situation, but I haven't gotten into the practice of doing it. So mindset wise, I'm there technique wise. No. And practice wise. No, those are your three things, right? Your pillars, but I I'm of the mindset that I should be doing it at least. And I got to get better at the practice and the technique. So what I don't want to ask what's getting away, but so one might, you know, what could you think you could do? five minutes after we record the podcast? 
I could, yeah. But whether I do it every day, I think I gotta get into a daily habit because Do you schedule do you schedule it? I told you I almost slept through our yes. our thing because I was up till six editing a podcast, six AM. Oh, okay, I feel you. So now we're and then I was like, I'll lay down for a second. And then it was like 1.30 p.m. All of a sudden I was like, oh, no, I didn't set any alarms. Oh, no, Barbara's going to be mad. <laughs> That's a, that becomes an interesting separate conversation about the reality of like, how do we run our lives and um, productive functionally scheduling? And, and again, because your personal rhythms may be way different than mine. And, you know, you might function really well working through the night and sleeping through the through the day and then and scheduling accordingly. But what I was going to go to the meditation or anything when you're introducing something new, mm-hmm. I believe schedule everything and just put it in your calendar, just something so you get alerts. So here's what I've been told, and you can tell me if I'm if I'm misinterpreting it, but from both Atomic Habits and The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg and uh, Atomic Habits is James Clear. They said to take a thing you don't want to do or the thing you're struggling to do, like meditation, for example, and pair it with something you already do, like, let's say, brushing your teeth in the morning. So pair either or pair it with a bad piece of habit that you already have. Like, let's say you always start drinking alcohol at 5 p.m. and whatever. You know, you can't change that already. But if you can meditate for 10 minutes prior to and reward yourself with the thing you're already doing, that's bad. It'll start tricking you. That's a strategy. If Yeah, if that if that's a. If that's a strategy temporarily, right? No, but until you fix it for good. Those are yeah. just those are strategies. I mean, to your point, I often say not for meditation because, in terms of the mindfulness part of it, um, I wouldn't necessarily do brushing my teeth. But you could because part of just the mindfulness is just being aware of sensations and what's to, so you could. But I often say that. Yeah, I was thinking about something every day that you do. I but I often do that in my coaching. Um, advise clients to when we're doing into mirror work and and things around getting comfortable with body language and facial expressions. I'm like, you're in that mirror brushing your teeth twice a day, hopefully do it then to your point. It's like, these things should be integrated into your life. So they don't become a burden. And, and then I don't, I don't know what your demo of your audience is, but as a working mom and any Mm -hmm. woman who's out there who's a working or working parents of any kind will know when your children are small, often the shower is the only privacy you have at all during the day. And so that's where I learned to meditate and I do my most creative work in the shower. I all, that's where all my brainstorming takes place. So I love, so hearing water. I love, mm-hmm. so even if I'm in my office to put on, you know, the sounds of all these things, just take me that relaxing place. It's like ideas start to flow. But so I agree with that. But to me, it's like anything I want to do. I actually, I schedule, but that's a great point. It's the same idea though, well, is to, to, rem- but you even might want to put in your schedule, remind yourself to, bre- yeah. to meditate while you're brushing. Your well, teeth. you were saying <laughs> I don't look in the mirror when I brush my teeth. I walk around because I think I don't like looking at myself in the mirror while doing it. So even what you just said there was like interesting. I why do I not look in the mirror? And I think it's who the hell knows something about my mom's anxiety around dental care. Who the hell knows what the thing is that's way beyond it? But I literally will start brushing my teeth and I walk around the house aimlessly until I'm done because I know I can probably get the two minutes in better or whatever it's supposed to be. And I'm not going to get distracted and try to be done. If I'm near the sink, I might try to finish sooner. So I walk away, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of it's because I know that with my ADHD, I'm going to get distracted by stuff. And even when I'm walking around, I get distracted. So I might do it for too long, Gotcha. which no problem there. But when you're talking about mirror stuff and mirror work, it's like, I'm now trying to say, okay, well, watch yourself in the mirror, brush your teeth, use that as a, like a, an exercise to get better at whatever the thing is that you're not doing, whether it's being intentional with what you're doing 
or paying attention or you don't like looking at yourself, Mm -hmm. all those things I want to get over. I don't want to just keep, Mm -hmm. keep those in my weird bag. You know, I want to get rid of those things. And so I think it's great. I think someone else was telling me recently, if you spend five minutes looking at yourself in the mirror without saying anything, it's excruciatingly difficult or, you know, just focusing on yourself and smiling. It's not easy. Similarly, if you're hanging out with somebody and you both take five minutes to just stare at each other in silence, it is almost impossible to get through the five minutes because people get so uncomfortable. But as a, that was a public speaking coach who told me that advice, because if you can get comfortable being silent in that scenario, Mm -hmm. your ums and ahs will go away a little bit more naturally because you're okay with that bit of silence that happens in between some conversations. Mm. But then I get all excited and I just want to interrupt everybody and do, you know, go overboard. And I realize I got to start writing stuff down. So I've written, this is just our notes. It's ridiculous. Cause I'm, I'm like, I can't interrupt people anymore. Cause it's just not good. But all we got, um, what, what I'm really trying to say is everybody out there. And I don't know what my target demographic is. Cause it's rarely anybody who's struggling and wants to be feeling like less of a failure by realizing that everybody's got to go through that stuff. No matter how famous or successful you are, you literally have to fail in whatever way you wanted to find that, make a mistake, learning mm-hmm. experiences, whatever reframing of it it is, you cannot have success without it. So you're more likely to get stuck doing, not doing things out of the fear of failure than you are doing too many things because you don't care about failure. Like I've found that even myself who embraces it to the extreme, I frequently give into the fear of failure and not doing things. And so it's not, it's not easy. And so I just want to make sure everybody's aware that I give a lot of advice, like use fear as fuel and go do stuff outside of your comfort zone. And sometimes I don't do that myself, but this, even this right now is in some sense outside my comfort zone, but I love it. So I don't mind it at all. But a lot of people wouldn't want to be on camera talking with somebody who they either respect or are think is of a higher status than them using you as an example, because I know you're not going to think you're any of these things, but that's how I would see it if I was my usual self. But at the moment, it's more like, how do I make sure I best promote what Barbara's doing? How do I best connect with her? And how do I make sure I'm listening and not totally dominating the conversation for the most Mm -hmm. part? So what have we, we've been talking about me this whole time. Can we talk about you a little bit? You don't even have that much time left. What do you want to know? Okay. So there's two things I end the podcast with. We're at like seven minutes left before you have a soft stop. Okay. (laughs) And those two are more forward looking. So if you want to talk about anything in your career or your history or just your mindset around failure, before we get to the forward looking stuff, is there any like last thoughts on the subject of failure in your own life or otherwise that you'd like to touch on before we go to the more forward looking stuff? Yes. And I hope I can be brief, but going back to so much of what you said, which I love is one is to be more gentle with ourselves because I I have a, a lot to look back on. I've been doing everything for a long time. And so it is to be gentler because we are typically toughest on ourselves. And then also it, it ties back into, we talk about getting out of the shoulds and to think about something I learned along the way is that there's no motivation without motive. And sometimes it's to really sit in the, in the why, and this could take a long time because sometimes it's like, why is X, Y, Z not happening? Um, Yes. There may be fear-based, but it may also be, it's like, you know what? I don't really want that thing 
that much. I don't want that thing enough to, you know, overcome where others you get, you can really drill down and start to understand why do I want this thing? And sometimes it, it, it can take a while actually to unlock it and to peel it back and find out like, oh my gosh, this is my motive. So, you know, an example to me, honestly, is even when in moments where I had to reinvent my career, you know what? I'm so grateful I had kids and a mortgage because that failure wasn't an option. I have to show up for them every day, right? Mm -hmm. That's That lights a fire. That was motive that motivated me. Uh, I love that. Because yeah. so like uh, a guy who I love, Phil M. Jones, he talks about motivation and how the etymology of the word is really, you know, uh, essentially the motive piece at the beginning, obviously, would be like a reason. And then the Asian part would be action based and like essentially it's a reason to act or a reason to move. Mm -hmm. And to what you just said, I have a dog now and that alone, having to <laughs> take care of the dog make sure he I mean he eats better than I do usually so having something that ties me to things and makes me have to do something on a regimented basis which I don't love having the dog be the one who benefits from it instead of just myself mm. and having it be non-negotiable with myself because I can't just say well he's not going to eat today so like you're saying with the mortgage and the kids I can't have that much stress necessarily but Maybe I'll get there, but I was like, I'll start with easy mode, aka, you know, a dog and just taking care of myself. So I like what you're saying about being more gentle with ourselves. And I think it's important. I take the self-deprecating route of saying I'm the world's number one failure, but I don't truly think of it that way. It's mm -hmm. more like I wanted to embrace the word. And I also knew like everybody's fighting over world's best number one casting director number one accountant, but they're not fighting over who's the world's number one failure. So I thought, <laughs> why not have that be an option? Good on you. And creating a safe space for us all to talk about it. I love yeah. it. And to reframe the conversation around it. I love it. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you do because a lot of people don't. And with the social media highlight real thing, everybody sees their best, the best of the best of everybody. And they don't realize that most people are depressed while they're even posting the stuff. That's all their great highlights of their vacation because of my highly curated life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people, when they see someone attain success, well, a, that person just doesn't blurt out all the things they did wrong. They're like, finally I'm successful. So I'm going to talk about the good things. And a lot of people don't realize that they were building on tons of different missteps and failures along the way to have gotten where they are before you even see them. And you are in that zone right now, whoever's listening of potentially not pursuing things because you think everything needs to be perfect. But the more you just go out and do stuff and get out of your comfort zone, I think that's where the magic happens. I totally agree to that. I just want to add one quick thing. Do. Um, um, Anne Marie, Angela Marie Hutchinson, who was on my podcast, um, said something that I love where she's like, learn to measure progress in inch stones instead of milestones. Mm -hmm. Because I think that is something, especially when we're starting something new, th that we see failure, it didn't work, or I'm not making progress because our how we define that is, is so far in the future. Mm -hmm. And we have this very distant horizon and I haven't achieved the end result. Yep. where I'm like success is showing up every day. So here's a tip and you can take it and steal it. Mm -hmm. I've stolen it from somebody else for sure. Cause I don't use this tip currently, but there was a sales guy at a job and he was the best 
employee in terms of number of sales out of anybody. And they asked him what his trick was. He had a jar, a mason jar full of 120 marbles. Every day he'd come to work and he'd have an empty jar of mar- of no marbles next to it. Every time he made a sales call, he'd move one marble from one into the other. And once the other jar was full of the 120 marbles, his job was done. But that was a visual reminder of the progress he was making. And a lot of times the progress and the benefit are delayed enough that you don't see the connection. But when you're literally doing something like that and you can see the thing fill up with marbles, that gives you enough of a kind of like even Jerry Seinfeld when you're crossing off a day, you write a joke thing that he said, any kind of visual reminder of progress you're making, even if it's not amazing progress is a, it is amazing progress. Good way to, that's the other reframe. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right. For sure. But a lot of people don't see, even if you, let's say you email blasted your entire email list, but it wasn't well received. A lot of people would want to crawl into a hole after that and not send another one. Depend. How do we define well? How do we define well received? I could. We could go down a whole other podcast well, around open rates, and I mean, it's even defined by your email marketing company. They're like, "This was a bad one. We're going to optimize your mailing list order." Like, you but don't see, even need to judge it for yourself. Yeah, I, I understand. And so, yeah. but see, I'm going to come from um, my you know contrarian Aquarian thing mm-hmm. where I'm like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. It depends on what my goal is, but see, mine is like how I show up in the world. Am am I touching people? So if one person, if I, if one person emails me back and said, I needed to hear that today when Mm -hmm. I, and I, I don't, I ignore my open rates drives Vinny a little bit crazy. Well, so (laughs) I'm going to press you for a second because my problem is I already, so like for this podcast, my goal was to make more episodes. It wasn't Mm -hmm. to have it be received in any specific way or the metrics around the reception of it. But it's hard to not look at the reception of it, not know, well, okay, if I if I look and see this episode did better than another one, why did it resonate or not? Or what happened? I That I totally agree with. I am with you there. And I do look at my own newsletter the same way. And it's like, and I do look, it's like, okay, that clearly uh, hit a nerve. But again, it gets around the thing that, and that's where I do not come from sales and marketing, right? So I don't have what I'm getting at is the sort of binary idea of like win, fail, good, bad. Yeah. Um, I'm like, huh, I'm a computer guy though. I am a binary guy. Got it. See, and I'm not, I'm like, Ooh, fuzzy. Word. And so that's when I'm like, well, huh, what do I get? Well, you know, these people like, that's awesome. Let me, and I, I come to the world of like ideas. So I'm like, well, what worked with that? That's awesome. And I just, I just do not have the energy around like good, the clear cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that we went down this month. I'm like, okay. But like, I get something out of it. It's like, oh, that, and these, by the way, it's pretty low risk for me. It's not like I'm launching. I mean, I understand it's like, but I'm not a multi-billion dollar company having spent multi-billions to launch a product. And then I go, you know? Yeah. Well, the other thing is me and you both simultaneously give advice and then contradict our own advice immediately (laughs) because we want to make sure the person listening can hear that advice and implement it but we're actually doing extra stuff in the back end to, for example, you said you don't care about open rates, but you do in some sense when you're looking at how did it perform and how can I get better? Well, it's not my motivator. It's not yes, my, exactly. it's not my driver is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So I pay attention, but it doesn't, but I, and this is what, to your point, I'm glad you made the distinction. It doesn't bum me out. Yes. Me neither. That's what I'm So that's the problem is most people bums them out. So we just say, don't look at that. <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, oh, that, that, oh, really. good. This is, I find it's like, that's helpful and interesting. I don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. It's a learning thing. As long as you yeah. view it as a learning thing. And I think that the only true definition of failure is 
not doing something that you should out of the fear of failure and that or not learning from something that you did in that realm like putting yourself outside of it and doing something if you didn't learn anything from it i'd say that's a failure if you try to stuff it down and never talk about it again to yourself that's a failure because you wasted all this time now it's wasted because you're not learning from it but that time's valuable time. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, and, and why do you want to fail on yourself? Be, that goes back to being more gentle with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's like a, that's a, that's almost like punishing yourself. Yeah. And that's why Vinny's name of his episode is fail before anyone looks. Cause he's like, before everybody's paying attention to you, that's when you got to fail because it's going to be less detrimental. That's why I sent you Rob Shooter's episode of my podcast, because he talked about that. He, you know, when he launched his podcast, he's all, he, he has a top 10 podcast and he was already extremely successful when we launched his podcast. And he spoke very openly with me mm-hmm. that no, you know, he expected to launch his podcast and be a hit right out of the gate because he was already hit in other, in other mediums, had an audience and it was like crickets. And at first it was very humbling. And then he was like, this is so good. I am so grateful because it gave him a year to mm-hmm. figure it out. And somewhere right around the year mark. Thank you. Boom. People started showing up. Okay. So one year into mine, I was still getting one download a day. And then almost immediately after a year, it went up to 200 a day. And then now I'm getting, when I release some episode, it's whatever, 1200 to who, who cares what the numbers are. The point is if I gave up anywhere along that year when I was still getting one a day, if I had the goal of the results and not the making the episodes, there you go. I would have probably given up. And there were certainly times when I wasn't as consistent and I do things wrong. And I'm, I mean, I love that if I do anything wrong, it's on brand for failure. Like if I mess someone's name up, I do hyper amount of editing, but I will still leave in my mispronunciation of their name. Cause I want there to be some failures into it, but I also want it to be a good listening experience. So there's a weird line that I have to walk of like how much is, enough failure versus just an audio issue that I shouldn't leave in there. So, you know, my point is I want to make myself look not, I don't care about if I look like a failure, but I'd want my guests to sound their best and everything like that for their one time that they're on my show. So I do a crazy job of making sure they sound good. If they sound anything that's remotely could be taken the wrong way. I try to make sure that they're framed in the best light. But for myself, I'm like, oh, I should leave this in because I sound like an idiot and you know stuff like that. So it's just it's a weird mindset to have. But let's get into the last two questions, which are okay. forward looking before we tell everybody where they can go find what you're doing these days and all that jazz. So being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand you this. This is a business card from someone else. Hand it to you through the camera through the amazing you gotta take it though magic you gotta grab it uh, okay okay got it yeah okay i see it in your hand so get out of fail free card similar to the monopoly card only really a name but it's basically if you could pursue something see like for me it's really difficult to talk to you about it because acting for example has an such an insane high percentage rate of failure that that's something i wouldn't pursue because of the amount of failure. So is there something you've wanted to do in your own life that you've avoided because of the amount of failure involved? And if you had to get out of fail free card, you'd maybe cash it in to go do that thing. Maybe it's being a Broadway singer or, or go to the gym a lot, or I don't even know what it, it could be anything literally, but is there a hobby or a passion or something that you've been avoiding because you're like, ah, oh, I can't, maybe it's technology even about there's too much failure involved. I don't want to do it. But if you had this get out of fail free card, you could use that for it. Okay. I love this so much, Ben. So um, I would have had a different answer before the pandemic Ah. because the pandemic, 
that giant pause gave me a chance to really think through a lot of these things. Like we're very simpatico. Mm -hmm. So I would say, um, so for me, uh, part of it is I, I launched my podcast during the pandemic. I wouldn't have done that before fear never would have. So there were a lot of things I started doing and coming and stepping out because I had this time to do the work on myself. And I really started to ask these sort of those sorts of deep questions because I was just sort of struck as like, well, I don't know when I'm going to have this time again, but okay, the world's just completely turned upside down. I got to make the most out of life. It was just, it just jolted me and it didn't necessarily jolt everybody else, but I really took that. And so the same thing is so, and Vinny's aware of this. So I've actually with a high school friend, um, wrote and developed a scripted project, which I never would have done in a million years. Hell yeah. And because you're more reality ish. Uh, I mean, no, like, not real. No, it's scripted. It's a, it's, I mean, it's, you are more typically in the zone of in the unscripted. Yes. Yeah. So there's a way stepping out of yeah, unscripted. I don't want to say reality because I know you guys like to call it unscripted. Well, the, right? the only reason I say that, just point of fact for your audience, is because um, the reality side in sort of the docu-series and competitions, I don't, I never worked on it. So I've always worked in what is actually literally called unscripted, the more documentary style. Cause those are actually scripted. No, no, no. It's just, it's just, well, in England, it's actually called, you know, um, constructed reality. Okay. When they do like things to weave a story with the reality. Yeah, like when you're following a family mm -hmm. or, you know, a bunch of, you know, boisterous women who have a lot of money, um, yeah. <laughs> whatever. So that's a different space. So I work much, much more in like the skills base makeover documentary style, but be that way, this is actually scripted narrative. And I never would have had the courage before and have felt like I actually, when we, and it's, we create this really beautiful, uh, Bible deck. I can't believe I'm talking about this openly because it's been, it's pretty <laughs> private, but when I took it to the printers cried, because it was such a powerful moment for me to like hand this thing. And the fact that like people who um, you've heard of are actually reading this and it has my name on it with someone else's. And I'm just like overcome because I mm -hmm. never would have done that before. Never would have thought I, you know, have it can, should have a right to do it. So that's huge. So um, I think to really let it all out there, if I was to really have my no fail card is um, the things I was, is to actually scale my business in a, manage what I would consider manageable weight, but to do what I think, you know, Vinny believes in is to actually have my able intermediate productions and it's a real shingle and we're actually putting out more content and with mm -hmm. more of a team. And if I, if I, if I knew failure was no, was, was not an, if I knew success was hundred percent guaranteed, mm -hmm. go out there and, you know, hustle and get money and be like, here we are. And we're making stuff. I would do more of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, well, it kind of pairs into my next question because it's what are you going to fail at next? And it sounds like it's going to be bringing this scripted thing into reality even further than just, I guess, dropping it off with whoever that was, but also seeing that baby to be born. Thank you so much. That's hundred percent. But so your thing is like, then I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a control enthusiast in life. And so these things that are collaborative, that too has taught me so many lessons around patience, letting go of outcomes. I like control enthusiast rather than you're controlling. Is that right? Yeah, I'm an enthusiast. <laughs> and um, I took it from the National Car Con uh, Commercial, which I love. But yeah, no, I feel it. So that's that's the other thing that is... Yeah. So that right now I'm, you know, other people have to say yes for this to move forward because it's, it's huge. I, I, I don't have the billions required to self-finance studio. Mm -hmm. And it's not about competition or scarcity. It's just because you like to have control over the way your message is received. 
And it's tough to get into the collaborative mindset when you don't know how it's going to affect your idea. Well, no, I would say, so it's not, so it's, it, I am actually highly collaborative. I just meant that there's certain, you, it, you cannot work in the field I do without being collaborative. I meant with your own ideas. No, no, but even with this. It's, not talking about your casting people and stuff like that, but when it comes to you, this thing. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the whole idea. It's, it is that, I mean, it made me really understand why I am what I used to think of myself as an anxious traveler. I'm not afraid of travel. Mm -hmm. I realize it's because you have to relinquish so much control when you travel. I'm at the mercy of other people who don't follow rules, people who are late, people who like spill their coffee, getting onto the plane, all those crazy things. I really, I hate flying so much. It's like, I'm not actually afraid of flying. Like I think I'm afraid of the plane. It's the control that you have to let go of, which is why I like to go to the airport early because I want to like minimize, I'm like into mitigating risk, right? all of that sort of thing. So to go to your point, yeah. And the other, I want to go back to, because it actually came up earlier in the podcast and it's a great coda to this and, and moving forward and not failing is that you need to have joy in the process. The process is the thing. And so, and the result can also bring you joy and motivate you. But if you don't love doing what you're doing, mm -hmm. it is, it, well, you know, it's like you realize that you didn't love corporate America. It becomes unsustainable and, or they're going to be physical, emotional, mental, whatever manifestations of the unhappiness you feel yeah. doing that thing. Addictive behavior and other things like and that, that I've leaned into. All of that. And I, and so what I discovered during the pandemic and what keeps me going and helped me like get over some of the things that was blocked by is like, I love the joy of the conversations from podcasting. And the, and then, um, and I'm sure you have the same thing. It allows you to get in touch with people that you wouldn't necessarily have reached out to otherwise. I love that. It's so great. And so the same thing was writing and developing this project, the joy I feel working on it. It's like, mm -hmm. and I want to do more of it. Well, I'm telling Vinny, he's write a book. So you got to tell him to do that. He doesn't like scripted stuff either or he has a resistance right and right and so that but so then it gets into like well maybe you could he could dictate it instead of having to write it i've been doing that so i started writing a book and i already got two hours recorded of me talking to my voice memo thing and transcribed by ai because i don't like reading or writing there you go but i can talk forever and listen. So the technology is makes it possible for you that's yeah. really fantastic yeah so it's absolutely find the thing that like sparks the joy well that's great because i think he He's got so many stories. And even if it's not a you know, biographical thing or autobiographical thing, his just insight and his his the way he looks at things is so interesting compared to most people because most people when they talk when you talk about Beyonce or something, they will just immediately black out and forget everything you said until that. And they're like, wait, you know who that this is? And he's like already miles deep into like why this person's great or not. And you know, like. I believe he, I don't want to talk for him, but I believe he's a big fan of Beyonce because she's a like a legitimate person who shows her true self and things like that. But most people don't look at it through the lens of how good is this celebrity or not. It's like, oh, they're celebrities. So they're automatically got a stamp of approval kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. That's an, that's an interesting, uh, interesting take. Absolutely. I, I tease Vinny that he's, he's functioning on 6G. <laughs> which is, you know, doesn't exist yeah. yet. And so, and because, but to your point, both his left and right hemispheres are working simultaneously and it's extraordinary to uh, get to work with him and benefit. And so I agree. It's like, he has so much to share. And then, and then what I often have to, and I have some clients who are functioning on 6G. <laughs> and so then from the communications coach side, it's to remind people, sometimes you're, you're, you are ahead. I never want to say you're too far ahead, but you are ahead. So you have to actually figure out a way to manage like timing, you know, mm -hmm 
do am I, and Evan Shapiro spoke about that on my um, podcast yeah, where definitely. he's like, you know, you're, I mean, he was like decades ahead of people on certain topics. <laughs> and so one of it is understanding that timing. The other element is the communication point. So it's like, what do I, it's on you. It's in, on you literally to figure out how do I start to explain things, share things, get other people to buy in. How, basically it always gets into, I have to meet people where they are so yeah. they can start to hear what I have to say. Um, because that's why so many people who are visionary some, get really stuck because you're like so far ahead mm -hmm. and people are like and not getting it. That's honestly why that that's the communication part. So my Excel stuff, I only deal with beginners. Honestly, you were saying there's people who nerd, nerd out and geek out. I'm like, most times I'm like, you go nerd out and do that geeky head level stuff. I want to go back in time before I knew anything and I read Excel for dummies because I was told to figure out who that person is and how I can get people from not knowing anything. Like if it's a grandmother who's just opening up Excel for the first time or somebody who's a little bit interested in it, I want to take them through the path so they know all the stuff I'm supposed to teach them so that we're all on the same page because it can be really easy when you're at my level of having done it for so long. It can be easy to forget that you didn't know any of this stuff and how do you forget it so that you can teach it but still remember it. So there's a weird dance you got to do in terms of trying to figure out how do I translate my knowledge into a way that's digestible with somebody else. And for people working on 6G, like you're saying, it can be tough for them to get out of the 6G zone and connect to the offline version or whatever the metaphor would be, where they can then go, okay, well, before I had a cell phone in this example, here's how I would explain it. And I'm not going to use my 6G explanation because no one's going to get that. And I'll just keep that in my own brain. And I'll figure out how, to, how do I backtrack to a way that's understandable by the people who are trying to get to where I'm at. And again, there's a lot of things that you're talking about, like, oh, am I above or below that person that can get injected into these conversations? But we're more saying, like, your level of thinking on the subject is so much more advanced. you got to somehow make it accessible to other people or you'll probably lose them in the messaging, right? That was beautiful. Everything you just said, that was a beautiful thing, Ben. And it circles back to Einstein always said, if you can't explain it easily in a sentence to your grandmother, you don't really understand it. So there is no sense of uh, big words and complicated do, does not make you superior. I totally agree. And at one time I tried to listen to Einstein to fall asleep because I thought everyone said how boring it is. And then I got super jazzed about what he was writing. I was like, geez. <laughs> and I tried to listen to Bob Ross to go to sleep. And then I started oil painting. Because I was like, I can do all this. So I just got, I spent thousands of dollars on oil paints. Okay, I love you. That's so great. Anyways, I got to stop trying to get myself to go to sleep, I guess is my point. I got to just go to sleep. Okay, that, okay go, that's where I'm going to encourage you to Dan Harris it. Yeah. And use your breath work and the meditation will help you. After this, I'm going to do a meditation. Beautiful. So the last question for you is, where do you want to send people to find you? Where can they go to keep updated on the things you're doing? any kind of um, promotion, things of where you're found, where you can be heard, et cetera. Thank you so much. The easiest place is actually everything is at my website, ableintermedia.com, A-B-E-L-I-N-T-E-R-M-E-D-I-A.com because my podcast home is there. My podcast is called Camera Ready and Able. You can actually listen to it on every podcast platform that exists. But if that's too much to remember, just hit the podcast tab on my um, website. I also have a free downloadable ebook, 12 tips for success on camera from the today show to zoom calls guaranteed. So the download is on the, um, pop-up on my website that also gets you into my monthly free newsletter. We find out about casting classes and all sorts of fun information. And then all my social links are there too, but everywhere I am Barbara underscore B underscore able, A B E L 
on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and some version of that on Facebook. Barbara, I just want to thank you so much for joining the show and uh, sharing not only your insights, but also tips for me to improve and as well as the listeners, because we all need to hear these kind of things. And a lot of times we don't get to hear it. So I'm glad you, as a podcast host, were comfortable with also hosting my own podcast <laughs> a little bit towards me because I need a lot of these changes myself. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your side of the story. And I can't wait till, uh, till the world hears it. Thank you. I can't wait either. This is really kind of generous of you to have me, Ben. Thank you. Oh, the it goes the other way around, but this is the book I'm writing is called When Givers Meet. And so it's like when people who are giving, truthfully giving, meet, it's like a battle who can give the most and then everybody wins. Mm, when they meet a taker, it. it's it's not as good, but you can find out the takers pretty easily and trying to distance yourself from them. But I wouldn't say to stop giving because of it. So hopefully, from what I gather, you're a giving person as well. So I'm going to try to outgive to you after this. I'll figure it out. But uh, But thank you so much for being on here and And it was my pleasure to have you on. Thank you. That was beautifully said. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons. Plus, it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.